Greetings from the Long Island Sound podcast. Welcome to the show. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. And call our listener line and leave a message for our guests. Dial 631-800-3579. All right, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Long Island Sound Podcast, where we explore the muse and music from the North Shore to the South Shore, from New York City to the Hamptons, on the island of Long here in New York. I'm Steve Yusko from GigDestiny.com. Stay tuned as we explore the Long Island Sound. Hi, this is Steve Yusko from GigDestiny.com. And over the past several months, I had a growing curiosity about our guest today. I've been blessed to hear him sing and play every Sunday for about a year now. And he's a busy guy, and I was unsure if he'd even agree to be a guest on the podcast. You know, many of us are amazed how we're connected. They say there's like six degrees of separation between us. But for Tom Pryor and I, it turned out to be just two. Tom is a multi-talented musician and singer and songwriter, and just so happens to be the music director and one of the pastors at Community Church in Babylon. A mutual friend of ours and a recent guest on the podcast, Eric McCormick, who, by the way, is the top podcast on Long Island Sound this moment, and until the check comes in. If the check doesn't come in, then then he gets thrown on the bottom. But he, he unwittingly helped me make the connection. Of course, I use that connection to browbeat Tom to being my guest today. So, Tom Pryor, welcome to Long Island Sound. How you doing, Tom? Doing well. Thank you for having me, Steve. This is very cool. Yeah, we're going to have fun. Just two guys having a conversation. Uh, a guy like me who's always wanted to be a decent musician and fell like tremendously short. <laughs> and uh, so I get to be the curiosity seeker, and uh, I really enjoy doing this. So thank, thanks so much for your time. So yeah, let's, absolutely. Let's let's go back. Where was your inspiration? Did you come from a musical family, brothers, sisters, that sort of thing? Where, where were your early your earliest mm-hmm. influences into music? Well, so I did come from a relatively musical family. My dad's father was into uh, not just performing music and playing music on the guitar or piano or whatever. Uh, he was into also using reel-to-reel recorders and yeah. things. Mm-hmm. So that was something I passed on to my dad. He played guitar. He also, like growing up, I remember him having a reel-to-reel, which I didn't realize what it was for. I just liked pressing all the switches <laughs> when it wasn't plugged in and stuff. Right. Um, but that was definitely something that was present in my family uh, growing okay. up. There was always a guitar somewhere in the house. Um, but I, my first instrument, well, you asked about inspiration. Inspiration, I mean, I remember singing along with some kind of Fisher Price VHS that we had that wow. had a couple songs about going to the, going to a farm or an amusement park. And I would just sing along, like not thinking anything of it. Sure. It's um, just natural, right? Yeah. But I'm the second of four. So I had an older brother who he started learning trumpet and baritone before I ever picked up an instrument for real. So that was definitely like a path into music because I was just kind of following his footsteps. He's five years older than I am. So 
by the time I got to the age in elementary school where I could pick an instrument, I ended up picking trumpet just because that's the only thing I knew. Wow. Uh, aside from a guitar, which they didn't have in the band mm-hmm. at that time. So. Wow. So was dad a hobbyist or was he a professional musician or? Hobbyist. Yeah. Yeah. Hobbyist. He, um, yeah. I remember him plucking away and playing some uh, Puff the Magic Dragon. Um, he was big into folk music. Uh, he was, you know, he was born in 46. So, uh, Peter, Paul and Mary were pretty big deals. Um, I, <laughs> I remember some records he had that, uh, some vinyl and, um, one that stood out that I still listen to every once in a while is, um, oh, what's it called? I can't remember the name of the artist now, but he has a song about cigarettes. Um, I think his name is Coco Joe, or that's one of his songs or something. Okay, all right. He's a bluesy, like, country artist, and he has this one about cigarettes that is hysterical. It's about how he's supposed to quit, but he can't because he loves it so much. Nice. And, uh, sorry, so that's just... <laughs> no, no, it's, I, you know, it, it kind of amazes me. One, one, either I hear a couple of things. Either I've spoken to musicians who say, yeah, I, I came from a musical family, or I had siblings, and they passed their albums down to me, and I got influenced by that. And yet I, I just spoke to a guy, Steve Martino, who said, yeah, his father was a, an art teacher. Mm. So he was open to creativity and, and help set a fertile field uh, for, um, for the desire that kind of grew sure. in you and to, to do, do the woodshedding and the chops to, to take on the, on the mm-hmm. art. Uh, my, my background, I'm not joking, it was very different. I took piano. I hated my piano teacher. I never practiced. I would play for about 15 minutes. The piano was in the same room as the TV with my dad and his recliner lounger and the big cigarette ashtray. And I still remember it there. And he would sit through about 10 minutes of it. And then his patience ended and the TV went on. And I was like horrified. I'm like, well, I guess he doesn't want to hear me play, mm. you know. But, but <laughs> it, it, it kind of sticks with you. It comes back. And, and uh, I always loved the guitar because it was like something you could pick up and yeah. take, take with you. And uh you know, when I was a kid, there weren't that many keyboards per se. It's, you had to find a piano that was right. hopefully sure. in tune. So, so did so you picked up the trumpet? Do you, do you still do you still play the, uh, the wind instruments? So no, I wish I did. So I played trumpet all through elementary school, middle school, and high school, and I was pretty good at it. I often uh, mm. sat first chair, not to I guess toot my own horn, pun you intended. Oh, God. oh goodness, nice. <laughs> But uh, no, I re- I really loved music. My brother, so he, like I said, he was five years old, and he always was, you know, several steps ahead. So he would always be introducing me to music, whether intentionally or just by, you know, osmosis, if you will. Um, so like growing up, he, you know, he was the one that was like he introduced me to, I don't know, uh, Hootie and the Blowfish, um, Yanni, which is I know like totally different genre. Oh, oh my god. Um, which if you check out his album, the live at the Acropolis, it's unbelievable. The musicality is incredible, like top, you know, world-class players with great arrangements and whatever. Um, yeah. So uh, he like, I remember my brother, we, we saw as a family, the movie Jurassic Park. Okay. Uh, in the nineties. And my dad was stunned because walking away from the film, my brother's like, most important thing that it took away from the movie was actually the soundtrack, which was written by John Williams, the you know famous composer. Okay. So like that was my brother. Like he was so in tune with music and things like that would end up being passed on to me, you know, by accident, not necessarily always on purpose. Um, but I played trumpet uh, after high school. 
I stopped because at, in middle school, I started also playing guitar. Okay. So guitar became uh, my first, my, my, I guess, primary love. Like it pushed trumpet out of the way. I still took trumpet seriously through school because I had to, and I still appreciate it. But uh, the guitar was just, I don't know, you could do so much more. You know, I, a trumpet, I mean, you can play I, one I, note I, at a time. Yeah, how do you woo a girl with a trumpet? I mean, she's got to be into jazz. So where'd you grow up? Did you grow up, like, uh, grow up in uh, like Stony Brook area? or? Uh... So North Shore-ish. I grew up in Selden. Um, okay. Went to El- New Lane Elementary, Selden Middle School, and Newfield High School. Great. Now, all right, so now you've, you've got this fertile field for your music. Uh, did did you do you study music? Did you go to college and study music there, or where, where did it go? Where did it sure. progress from there? So no, way, nobody knows how old you are. So oh no worries. Uh, that is a well kept secret. No, I'm uh, right, I'm okay. 38. 38. <laughs> and how much do you weigh? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> more than I'd like. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, so let me actually back up a little bit. So in middle school, um. I start my, again, my brother comes to play here. We had a PC at home that had music notation software. I think it was called MIDI soft uh, for MIDI and software. And you could basically using the like notation staff, like musical clefs and staffs or whatever, you could put in notes and it would play them back. Oh, wow. So I started taking, this is me admitting, I guess, the theft. Uh, I started taking leftover music that kids would leave in the music room and I would take it home. So I would punch in all the notes to the songs that were like for me. And then I would also put in like, okay, if I had a saxophone part, I'd put that in. And I know the tunes from practicing it at school. And then I try to like, and I realized that it didn't sound right when I put them in the computer because certain instruments were in different keys. So like the trumpet's really a B flat instrument. So what is a C on the trumpet is actually a B flat on the piano. So like I learned how to, sorry, go ahead. I'm with you. I'm sorry. So yeah. So I learned to like, okay, I had to transpose the notes and then I, because of seeing multiple instruments at the same time, I learned what harmony was. So like if somebody was playing a C and then somebody else was doing an E then a G, well, those three notes make a major triad. And so that started kind of happening in middle school. And that's where like my music theory was kind of, fostered by mm. plugging all these notes in with the mouse right right <laughs> you know by hand if you will and uh it was fascinating i started literally composing nothing special but like i started composing these tunes via the software um because it was, i just found it so incredible that i could like put notes in and then the computer would play back music for me it's it's amazing because it's a it's an interesting tool that you use to help train your ear and I've spoken to a lot of people about that and get the mechanics down, but you have to have the ear mm. to know where you are, where you're going, especially when you, um, you know, you take it to a different level. So that's interesting how, how the technology uh, played a role for you. Then. All right, I oh, ask yeah. you, this, you spoke about your brother. I got to ask mm-hmm. you this question. All right. Is he in the first chair or are you in the first chair? Musically. Uh I mean, probably me at this point. All right, excellent. Um, nice. Oh, good. I, I, want, I want to start that, that tension. Your brother's still around? He is. Well, he's in North Carolina. Okay, so he can't get to you, so we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll say what we want about him, because this does go international, just, just so you know. What's That's his name? Great. His name's James. James Pryor? That's correct. Okay. 
James Pryor, second chair, umpire, <laughs> first chair. Just want to put it out there. And I'm sure he agrees somewhat. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, credit goes to my parents and my, my brother. And uh, but uh, so along the, around the same time as the guitar learning, the music notation experimentation, uh, I started also learning songs that um, worship songs from church, the church okay. that I was going to at the time. Uh, so all of these things were kind of happening at the same. And then I started while learning guitar, we started jamming as friends. Ooh, sorry, just hit my microphone. Um, I started jamming with friends from high school. So like one was a drummer, one was learning bass. And like all of these things kind of like really shaped what was going on, you know, looking back at it, you know, for me musically. Yeah, how everything how everything comes together. Yeah. 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 I find, I find it really interesting. Hey, you know what? Let's let's just take a short break here. Sure. And uh, we'll be right back. Stick with us. We've got more things to uncover about Tom Pryor. This is your life. Be right back. Are you a singer-songwriter who wants to take your music to the next level and you need some professional musicians and really that expertise to help you along? Well, check out Melts in Your Ears Studio. It's Mike Nugent's studio. If you like what you've heard here today, Mike's the guy who can make the connections, put the tracks together, and give you a quality product. Check it out. Hey, welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the smooth sounds of Tom Pryor. Uh, this is Steve Yusko with Kid Destiny, and I'm really happy to have my guest, Tom Pryor, here. Oh, that's fancy. Okay. That was a nice, nice segue. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. No problem. Uh, Tom, I, I'm always curious about um, what inspires you um, musically. First, maybe as, as a young man, you know, what, what, what groups, any particular artists sure. that really inspire you? And then um, what kind of tickles your fancy nowadays? Yeah, so uh, I, I have an appreciation for classical music because of playing trumpet and playing in the, the band. So I still very much enjoy that kind of genre, that genre. But I don't, I don't listen to it actively. Mm-hmm. Um, but around when I was a, a kid, like a teenager, learning guitar. I mean, Eddie Van Halen was my guitar hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I first heard him because of my dad's brother, my uncle, um, who was a big, you know, music fan in general. But uh, yeah, I mean, Eddie Van Halen's guitar just like spoke to me. I feel like his solos had a very vocal quality to them, even though there was times where he'd play like a trillion notes per second, you know, doing the, that kind right, of stuff. Right. A lot of the there's, fingers there's tapping. Some, oh yeah. But there was something like his, it was just so melodic. It wasn't just a flurry of notes. There was some, he was like, there was a voice there that was coming through. So he's uh, just, so he, now to, to a knucklehead like me. So it's more like his phrasing kind of caught your ear or how would, how would you, how would you define it? So when he does, so Two different ways. So when he does like the, like he would almost make the guitar sound like it was laughing at times. Like when he was in the David Lee Roth era, there was a lot of like, um, I don't know, tongue and cheek, tongue and cheek, not tongue and cheek, tongue and cheek type of songs. Like a little, you know, not gimmicky. What's the word I'm looking for? Oh, like it had a little smirk to them. I would yeah. Say. So his guitar would be like making like, 
it's like a very bluesy thing, but he'd make it sound like it was laughing or it was then he when he started using the the whammy bar a whole lot, he'd like do the horse whinny kind of thing. Oh, I don't know. It just it was just so out there. It was like, man, he's making the guitar do things it was never meant to do. Uh, it was kind of like what Jimi Hendrix did early on. When, yes. When, you know, McCartney and, and the guys would see them, see him in the UK and they're like, even um, uh, from the hoop, um, Pete Townsend's mm-hmm. like, what the heck are we, do? you know, yeah. we're, we're horrible <laughs> compared to what this guy is, is putting right. out. And it's this just, guy's changing the game. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. just that kind of, kind of admiration. And I, I, I got to point this out because I was thinking about this earlier sure. when uh, um, I spoke to Eric McCormick and said, oh, you know, hey, yeah. Uh, Tom, I was in your group and we were talking about you. And what's interesting, and I, I just kind of picked this up. When other musicians talk about other local musicians, it's either one of two things. It's kind of dualistic to me. It's like, oh, yeah, I know him. Oh, I know her. Or, yeah, they're really something else. They're very, you know, <laughs> then it comes out. He said, yeah, he's this guy's a talented guy. This guy really oh, that's so knows, cool. knows his stuff, you know. So I said, oh, man, I'm getting him on. And I hope I don't have to pay him to be on the podcast. This is the second <laughs> that I had. So, um, anyway, so well, that's, <laughs> I that's awesome. You. I mean, let me. Uh, that's high praise because uh, you know I, I listened to the whole episode and everything you said about Eric. You know, he it's on the money. He's he's a great singer. He's a great songwriter. He's a great player. Obviously, he uses technology while he's playing in a oh, fantastic fashion. I mean, that just all vocal rendition of "Don't Worry, Be Happy" was incredible uh so but i noticed there's, there's something about the both of you and you, my opinion you can't fake joy in performance you just can't mm. fake it i've been on the other end where uh we were in a group and there was so much tension in the group that people came up to us and said the thing is really good why do you guys look so miserable <laughs> uh in yeah reciproc- in reciprocal to that uh your performances every sunday at community church is a great across across the board i could see that joy same thing with eric eric yeah. is one of those guys you go you know what he may miss a note here and there which he doesn't but man this guy loves what he's doing sure and that radiates yeah. out and brings a great that's a joy that's um infectious you know so well that's cool that's uh well i mean that's kind of what we want to have happen with the yeah. music at the church Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I talk about with the band, I mean, I mean maybe we're jumping categories of topics that's, that's of conversation okay. or whatever, but, um, one of the things I want to communicate to the band members is that I don't want anyone, including myself to take us individually or even collectively too seriously. Mm-hmm. I want us to take the music seriously and what we're trying to accomplish, but you know, like we can, we can be light on our shortcomings if we make a mistake it's whatever i don't want us to like be so petrified of failure in any sense right um, i'd rather mess up a note here or there if we're having a good time um, you know what that you know what that does that what you allow the group to do is that it, it, uh, where appropriate the freedom of expression to emote and and have the vocals come from the yeah. soul as opposed to from the voice box yeah. Well, that's, I mean, the, with, with church music particularly, I mean, it's meant to be authentic. So I want that to come through. Uh, I would hate for the seriousness of the performance itself to like hinder the expression. Right. And there's, so let's, let's talk about, let's talk about quote church music. Sure. Because depending, uh, depending upon your tradition, 
uh, it means different things. And I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. So I, I was uh, cradle Catholic, or I am cradle Catholic. I still consider myself Catholic, <laughs> although I attend community church, and it's amazing, joyful. Uh, and <laughs> having been in a choir and on the other end of it, the participation from the congregation was very limited, very limited. Uh, and yet I had this great experience in an African-American church in uh, West Baltimore. And let me, same feeling I got going into community church, very welcoming, very happy people, and a joyous expression of worship that um, was unmatched. It was so unmatched to my experience that I asked my wife to drive home so I could write a blog about it. That's how much it, that's wow. how much it hit me because I saw a contrast and uh, a reality of, hey, you know what? they're praising God and it's coming from, it's coming from the heart and sure it's most, but it was just, it was, it was great. And it was, um, it was inspirational. There's no other way for me to put it. Um, tell, tell me about your experience with, with, with worship music, I guess. Sure. I mean, there's all different things that it's called. Today. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I grew up in a, well, I, my family were, we were a Catholic church family mm -hmm. initially. Um, and then because my mom started attending a Bible study with my, one of my dad's sisters, my aunt, uh, at a Protestant church, my mom started to prefer that over the Catholic service we were going to. And eventually she somehow got my dad to go, uh, which wow. I had told you earlier. <laughs> he thought he was going to you know, be struck by lightning for betraying the church by going to a Protestant service. But um, both my both of my parents found that the service was more vibrant. Mm -hmm. um, and this, I'm, please don't hear that I'm trying to knock any tradition, any form of worship or expression. Um, but for them, they, they were something different that they didn't realize they were missing until they went to this service. Right, right. Um, so I was a young kid, maybe seven or eight years old when we started attending that mm. uh, the Protestant service. And it leaned more charismatic Pentecostal. So it was like very expressive, like sure. you know, worlds apart from an organ and hymns. Mm -hmm. uh, we, that's not to say we didn't do any hymns, but uh, that was, I mean, that was very formative for me because the worship there was exceptionally expressive. And sometimes they would take, I mean, I would call them like rabbit trails now, but like a song that was meant to be, you know, four or five minutes could become 12 14 mm -hmm. and it wasn't just we would sing the chorus or the bridge you know 75 times it became like there would be a part where the the singers with you know the worship leaders uh could kind of lead the congregation in a new song still using that particular tune as it's like bedrock as its foundation for this new impromptu you know uh song Right. So it right. was, that was really, really something for me because, um, I don't know. I, it, it gave me and the other teens that were part of the youth band at the time, the freedom to explore and, and be expressive in that manner. Um, you know, some would say that we were, you know, relying very heavily on the Holy spirit to lead us to lead the congregation, if that makes sense. So yeah, no, it, it, it absolutely, it absolutely makes sense. And what's interesting. So, um, we did an experiment, uh, we did a contemporary, uh, Christian, uh, 
group, an ensemble at um, our parish. It, I'm telling you, it, it was fought with, against tooth and nail uh, by a, a particular music director who felt this is this is not our tradition. This is real, you know, this is popular music. This is so on and so forth. We were fortunate to have a pastor say, uh, "No, we're going to do it." And mm -hmm. uh, it started off, and uh, there were some changes in personnel in the beginning, and that's was that tension part I spoke sure. about. Yeah. And uh, it turned out to be an extremely collaborative effort with guardrails. Uh, so there were guardrails of, okay, you know, how do we approach this? One I thought was kind of interesting. Maybe it's something you adopt. And I think we spoke about this once before. Is you're not there to entertain. You're there to encourage worship from the mm -hmm. congregation and pull them along with you. It's right. very, it's very easy uh, for that to go to a uh, singer's or somebody with an entertainer's background's head to say, "Okay, the lights on me, and here we go." And we had that happen. Um, sure. And it, it and it can it, it kind of changes things. We also did something interesting. What I thought was interesting was different was. It's certain restrictions on what we could do during the mass, but then there were songs that were great songs that you can interpret as worship songs that are popular songs that we did as a prelude before mass started, before the service started. That's how we got around the rules. One of them was uh, Bob Dylan's song, Make You Feel My Love. And if you listen to the lyrics of that tune, it's actually, and think about Christ's passion, okay? Who else could, you know, uh, crawl down the avenue who could love you for more than a million years? You know, you kind of, mm -hmm. so I would actually say that. So no one thought, hey, they're singing Adele, you know, and, and you know, then the fire and brimstone starts coming down. But <laughs> what's 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 your experience as far as the songs you pick, how you how you approach it? What's your formula, I guess? And it's a very it's a very tight formula we know what to expect when we go to a service at sure Church. yeah so i mean that that has evolved over the last i mean let's say i've been doing this since i was a teenager so over 20 years so when i was a kid we often just picked songs that we wanted to do and that was it you know right. <laughs> um and then no highway you know, to hell highway to hell no right we would want to jam out to it uh <laughs> Listen, it, Sorry, joke. it's totally fine. I mean, listen, ACDC, everyone needs some ACDC. Yeah. Uh, but for where I'm at now, um, you know, we have just to talk about the church. So we have a mission and our mission is to change the way people think about God. And we want to do that by being a church for those who don't go to church. So with, with music, it's kind of tricky because the songs are not necessarily for those who don't go to church, right? Like the songs right, sure. are meant for Christians or, or believers or people at least curious or, or on the verge of believing to give praise to God. So while we're not going to change the lyrics to make them like very vague, mm -hmm. um, we want to present them in a way that is more approachable. So we will choose songs that fit a relatively you know, popular type of genre. So mm -hmm. the songs, you know, don't lean super heavy gospel, um, which I, I love gospel music, but uh, we don't do that because it's not always the most approachable for mm -hmm. the type of the people that we see in Babylon, the Babylon area. Uh, we don't do, you know, anything that's too modern, whether it be, um, you know, super electronic or, 
or uh, very ba- uh, you know the ballad the christian yeah. ballads type of things right yeah so nothing, there's nothing I mean, against that but yeah not at all that, that's a concert uh song in my opinion yeah so we so we try to pick songs that um that don't say that, okay we want them obviously to be to be biblically accurate um that's <laughs> right. important for, for us we also want them to typically highlight god's goodness um that may include the topics of you know things like salvation forgiveness mercy uh god's grace um we we try to avoid songs that are that bring up topics that we have not maybe explained or that need explanation. Some songs, I, in my opinion, require explaining a lyric uh, or or the story that it pulls from. There's, there's a great song. I love the song. Um, it's called "Do It Again," where the 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 bridge refrain. It's like I've seen you move. You move the mountains. Mm-hmm. I know oh, yeah. you'll do it again. Great song. The first verse talks about how uh you know uh, i've walked around these walls i you know i expected them to fall which (laughs) for the building we're in maybe that's appropriate but um (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know it's it's a reference to the israelites and the walls of jericho Jericho, if you are not familiar with that story it's a weird set of lyrics if you are familiar with it like even if you don't you may not even make the immediate connection to that. And you're like, what, what is this song even talking about? Going? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we, when we've done that song in the last, you know, ye, almost year, I would just, uh, not, I would just skip the first verse. I follow you. Yeah. So we would, so that's like kind of, you know, we want so it, it to so. Off, off-putting. Yeah. Or yeah, confusing if, or confused, uh, setting the stage for confusion. Right? right. I'd rather be people be confused about how much we're celebrating God's goodness than like a, um, you know, a song that borrows heavily from a story in but, in scripture. Yeah, you may not you know? connect to. Yeah. yeah. What, what's interesting? What's interesting about what you guys do? And I approached this um, in my previous church. I, I'd go to who was ever uh, a priest or deacon was preaching that day and said, "You know, what's your theme?" And uh, you know, and I, of course, I would read the readings for the you know the previous uh, sure. for the next thing so i get a thing and when we did our practice like we're going to tie into this theme no matter what they preach about because this is going to point to that particular scripture point which really which did two things one it got the group into the practice of reading the scriptures before the service which we're all supposed to do not not all do uh so it was a great practice and and it, it also generated a lot of questions what i like and i just want to comment on community church just really briefly is is this is a guy coming from a different tradition walking in into community church and i when i first heard uh, lou preach and you preach you do wonderful both of you guys are amazing i looked at it and i said this is like a sunday ted talk because it's a series and i mean that with i mean that with gratitude i appreciate it. <laughs> in that in that i have a series that i'm looking forward to over the next few sundays that uh, and I'll, I'll talk about my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law, who's not a churchgoer, is going. He, almost every other week, you know, I really got something. And then it's something we discuss. We never did that before. Wow. We, we went out of obligation. I'll get off. I'll get off the uh, the. Uh, it's all good. Pedestal heel, but it's it's all good. And the the music tie-in is a great bridge. I mean, look, outside of church. 
uh, I think a lot of us have spiritual experience when we listen to some people. It just it brings out emotions and stuff and, and helps us communicate things that we may not speak to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about the, the beauty of music. I love that uh, about people who, uh, like yourselves, who studied and bring this out and take it in a different direction and go out there and help me help me cope with my emotions. Uh, you know, whether it's no, seriously, good, bad, you know, yeah. sometimes, like you said, sometimes you just got to play ACDC to, to get it out, you know, and that, that could be spiritual. No, boy, no, it's not lightning. Out. Okay. I'm good. <laughs> hey, listen, we're, uh, Tom, we're going to uh, take a short break and we'll be right back. Stick sure. with us. Hi, Steve Yusko from Gig Destiny here. Well, as you're probably listening to this podcast, you're probably thinking about that musician would make a fantastic guest here on the Long Island Sound. But we'd like to hear their story. We'd like to hear their music. So have them reach out to us at gigdestiny.com and we'll explore their craft. Now, back to our podcast. Hey, we're back, everybody, here with Tom Pryor as he plays some beautiful melodies. And uh, I think he's going to hit me up for money because he's now getting... Man, I'm having you on every podcast. You're going to be like, you know, <laughs> my my band. You know, if it's successful, it'll always be successful if you're with it. So thank oh, you. That, that is too kind. So, um, so I got I got to tell a secret. So when I was talking to Tom about this podcast, oh, I don't know what I can bring to the table. You know, a typical humble guy and you are a humble guy i'm not making fun of it a little bit but uh, everybody always wonders what they're going to bring to the table and lo and behold before the podcast he's got these two beautiful songs he's written so tom tell us a little bit about the first song and then we'll yeah jump right into it and then we'll talk about other stuff so uh i appreciate that i don't consider myself a you know accomplished songwriter by any means but um I find that when I have margin is when I tend to do my most, most of my writing. And I'd like to, I, I find it very hard to write songs that aren't real to me. Some people can like create these oh, in the fictitious. First, in the first person. Yeah. Yeah. People can create these fictitious stories and like, and I, I'm always amazed by them. Um, you know, I, I can get into a bunch of artists, but let me, let me not go there for now. So, uh, Usually my songs revolve around two things, my love for my wife, <laughs> and my love for God. And uh, nice. so uh, I guess the song that we're going to do first is a song I wrote for my wife. Right, um, before you get into that, yeah, I got to ask you this, because sure. this just came, came to mind, is when is the first time you sang to your wife? Uh, like only to her? Yeah. Oh, um. I don't know if I've ever. Well, it doesn't have to be only to her, but directed to her. So the first full song I wrote was a song for her. That I, I must have been like. Oh my God, you're so 19. romantic. <laughs> Listen, I didn't have much mojo. So one of the things I could lean on was my ability in music. And that was. You know, that's my curse. I have too much mojo. And, you know. Debbie, Debbie told me that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that, was, that wasn't Debbie. <laughs> oh, oh, shoot. Uh, oh man. 
So anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all good. No, that's funny. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so I, 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 I'm going to give you a little story. So yeah, I wrote this song. I don't remember all, many of the words. I just remember there was, there was this cool line that I had, it was like the, the hook was you keep me breathless. And it went like, <laughs> something like that. Mm. Um, and I went to go record it at some studio and the day I was supposed to go record it, it had snowed like, like a foot. Okay. And I told the guy, I will shovel the, <laughs> his driveway to get, there. <laughs> to get there and record it. Wow. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's how okay. much I. All right. Can I tell you my wife's story? Sure. So the first time I ever sang playing the guitar in public, I did a satirical song for my wife's 50th birthday which was a surprise party okay the amp broke so somebody had to bring me a spare amp my daughter was 12 and she sang along with me right and i learned a couple of things we did okay one don't start singing the song when they put the food out because totally distracting mm. and i literally had my mother-in-law standing in front of me eating a chicken leg saying is this song about me and the horror in my wife's eyes as i was singing this Queen of Her Dreams song, which is based on a Everly Brothers tune because I stole those notes because it was easy to play. <laughs> the look of horror on her face was priceless. So um, probably a little different than music you would <laughs> Well, my wife hates being the center of attention, probably like Debbie, I imagine. So Yeah, yeah right. Uh, and I like that because I like being the center of attention. Yeah, it works for us. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to get in front of my limelight? Hey, move over, honey. You know? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Tell, tell, before we go off in thirty tangents, tell it's us all good. It's all good. Do you have any uh, audio or video recordings of that performance? Uh, thank God, no. <laughs> uh, I, I, I do not. And uh, yeah, see, I'm old enough to know that uh, I thank God every day for no video cameras during, mm. for the most part, during high school or or high school parties or some antics that may or may not have occurred in college sure and uh yeah so, understood so it's a different world <laughs> sure so what, what do we got yeah. coming up tom yeah so this is a song i wrote uh for my wife like i would mentioned and uh stylistically it's it's acoustic um with a couple maybe three or four different guitar parts at times and some harmonies um i just i think I wrote it and recorded it before Valentine's Day. And the idea that she's my everyday, my every time Valentine was the inspiration for the song. Beautiful. And there's definitely some Jack Johnson um, influence in terms of the chord structure. I'm pretty sure, I didn't realize it at the time, but listening to it, I'm like, oh, wow. So I think the song. What's oh, it called? I stole that from him. Excellent. Oh yeah, better. I think the song "Better Together" had just come out or something. It's like, it's got a very similar like. I won't play all of it, so then you get copyright or sued. But it's got this very bouncy, swingy, like, descending chord structure, which I was like, oh, I just. Mine's got a little bit. There's a little bit extra in there, so I do a little, okay. a little seven kind of thing, like. All right, right. You know, I don't know. Talking about songs is like talking about sex. It's better demonstrated. Okay, so, um, <laughs> so. Uh, I won't use that with the church. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, please. please uh, 
We'll never forget that service. And there'll be something to talk about after that service. I'll tell you, sir. Attendance has gone through the roof. What, and, and the title of the song is? Every Time Valentine. Every Time Valentine. All right, stick around for this great song. You're my rainy day hideaway, intimate, safe, and warm. Who cares if it pours? You're my everyday holiday, when we let go and be free. That's what you are to me. And I waited so long to have you. I can't believe I get to. Am I sleeping? Cause I might be dreaming. Don't wake me up. Please let me stay. Anytime is a good time to let you know how I feel. All the time seems ideal. Love divine comes to mind when I have thoughts of you. I might be hooked on you. I waited so long to have you. I can't believe I get to. Am I sleeping? Cause I might be dreaming. Don't wake me up. Let me stay Hard to be from what I see Confident love Some love's a silly game Where the heart is torn apart Can I be your every time Valentine The one you can't wait to see That's what I want to be Yeah I waited so long To have you I can't Oh man, that was a wonderful song, Tom. Let me tell you. And I'm never going to play that for my wife because she'll, you know, thanks. She'll just have that look of regret that I see every morning, you know, when she wakes up. Oh, that's rough. I'm very sorry. <laughs> oh, 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 we, yeah, we, uh, we both use humor to, uh, no, it's beautiful. to get through life. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thanks so much for that. It's really, uh, it was nice. It was really nice. But let's, I want to jump into, uh, take a little turn here and talk about technology. Because the one thing I was really impressed 
about community church was I remember when we first met and I saw the rig you had on the floor and I was always sure. interested in pedals and stuff like that because you know as a lousy guitarist you think uh, you know pedals will make you a better guitarist it never does <laughs> but um so you have a great setup there you you have some sound guys in the back I remember sure. seeing Dakota running back there because we'd always look up and say where the heck is Dakota who's one of the <laughs> uh one of the guitarists uh up yeah. there as well he's fantastic we're gonna get him on the show that'd be great you're gonna make him come on the show tell me easy tell me. Church, <laughs> church, church obligation guilt you gotta use the guilt but anyway yes. you, have, you have a great setup so let's talk about how technology and music has affected you how you use it yeah um, well so uh, obviously I mentioned earlier like my the computer was so important in my development as a musician. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that using that taught me so much about rhythm and harmony. I mean, it, it was like a workshop in music theory for me, okay. uh, which that has, you know, opened not just doors up op like opportunities, but like it's really helped me understand music and see patterns that I would have not have seen without it. So I, I appreciate technology. I think anybody who's, who's maybe, hesitant or resistant towards it it's like it's a tool you know just like any pedal you know they're tools to help us accomplish what we want to accomplish they're not they can get in the way if we rely too heavily on it but it's it's there to you know augment and to improve upon what we have uh so i have been using technology in my stuff like my you know gigging career in my church career and everything i i try to use the best that i can mm -hmm. so uh, you had mentioned my pedal board. I've been using a Line 6 pedal board for a really long time. I mean, I grew up having a – I bought a Fender amp, um, big, loud, 212-speaker Fender amp. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're hard to keep under control because one is often loud enough, and the thing goes up to, like, 12. <laughs> so uh, I started using Line 6 stuff because it can emulate a bunch of different amps, a bunch of different pedals – and the sound quality has been improving over the years that it's so good, like I have not ever looked back. Mm -hmm. It just accomplishes everything. Like everything you're hearing from the guitar right now, I'm playing a real guitar. It's plugged into this thing. It, it's, it's got, I mean, just in terms of effects that I'm using just for this one sound, it's got noise gate, a volume pedal, a compressor, an overdrive, which I'm not using for this, um, an amp, which then I also have another compressor, uh, the speaker cabinet, two delays, and a reverb just for the guitar. And then also my microphone is running into here as well because yeah. you know, I'm using the board as the interface to do the podcast. And it's amazing. It's a Line 6 Helix, and I love this thing. Very happy with it. And it sounds great, and you can uh, you can set it up so that you know every song that we do, which is in a different tempo, I have a different setup for each song so that mm -hmm. I just click to the next thing, thing and it's automatically in the right tempo. So all the delays that are timed, it's just perfect. And it takes time to understand it all. But once you get it there, man, yeah, I've never had a tube fail, you know, because yeah, there's no your, tubes. Your whole world is opened up. I'll never forget the time I was watching this band uh, and I always try to talk to uh, guitarists when they're taking a break. And I looked at this guitar and he had a network connection to it. Not a, almost not a variax and it was uh and he goes yeah he goes this guitar on the uh the dials on it could change it from a strat to a gibson to emulate all these different things yeah. and then including different amps 
and uh, he was a, 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 a by trade a guitar luthier and he goes it almost the instrument doesn't matter because the technology can emulate many things and then on the the other extreme is uh, I remember talking to my buddy Mike and and um, he uses very few and he's more of a purist um, and that's 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 where he grew up uh, and then I think you can reach generationally uh, some technology uh, barriers where it's you know at, sure. at this point it's too much for me to take on uh, you know and I see that with computers and technology yeah uh, some people just hey, you know what that's beyond me I, it's a lot for me to tackle because it, it can seem overwhelming and to be honest with you I've used pedals and I have a looper that I haven't practiced with because that's a certain art and Eric does that unbelievable mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, in an unbelievable way and um, you know it's that can be overwhelming it's a lot it's a lot to tackle sure sure know? um and uh i was under the fallacy that'll make me a better guitarist it doesn't i mean crap in crap out you know well you know what i mean uh, yeah absolutely i mean you can i mean so are you familiar with a guitar player named tom morello He's yeah. uh, the guitarist for Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, Audio Slave. I saw, I saw him uh, um, do, uh, do um, Joe the song with Bruce Springsteen, and it was, yes, it, uh, what was the name? I of can't remember the name of the tune, but he does like the solo. It was it's... unbelievable, and and I saw the video about it was different than when he practiced it before, when they did the sound check, and he went in, in some direction where it sounded like. A police car coming up on a homeless guy. Really, <laughs> yeah, really, it, like Hendrix, it really drove it home when Hendrix did the Star Spangled Banner at Woodstock and sounded like you know the choppers coming over Vietnam. Yep, I bring him up because I, mean, I might get heat for this. He's not the greatest guitar player. Now mm -hmm. he's the right thing for Rage Against the Machine, and he's the right thing for Audio Slave. And um, but he he was like. I mean, he, there's interviews with him in it where he talked about he like he was more than just a guitar player for the band. He was like the like a DJ, okay. uh, oh, trying to okay. create like record scratches and things. So he, I mean, he's very creative, um, you know, really innovative, and he would find ways to make the guitar do things that, you know, it wasn't necessarily designed to do. And he would also use effects pedals. So what I what, I bring that up because he was going to figure those find out find ways to make sounds out of the guitar it couldn't normally do even if he didn't have pedals. Mm, okay. So like the pedals became just another way to achieve that goal of sounding not like guitar. You know what I mean? So, you know, if, if, you know, if a person is like, if their thing is all acoustic, um, you know, all analog, I have no issues with that whatsoever. Um, I think that with the, what my pedal board does for me is that it helps me achieve the sound I want to achieve. You know, right. if I'm playing acoustic, I don't necessarily need all of this stuff. But if I'm playing electric, particularly in uh, like church, the, the genre of church music that we do, you know, there's a lot of layers of delays and ambient reverbs. And I can't do that without the pedal. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, so I guess, for me, I it's. Guess, it, I guess sorry, my, ana I'm, my, I'm jumping on your words. I apologize. But I guess my analogy that comes to mind is I look at acoustic as. Uh, a, a walk on a trail in a forest or along a beach and rage against the machine is the Indianapolis 500 or drag race <laughs> that you're pulling out the stops, totally different feel, both the right for that type of enjoyment, but it's, mm -hmm. it, 
your, uh, the regiments against the machine can go in that direction because they can make their engines as loud and sure. guitars squeal and all that. And there's freedom in that. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes when you have the guardrails on, there's a freedom in that too, in, mm-hmm. in, 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 mm-hmm. a, in a different way. So it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Sorry. I mean, yeah. did I jump no, on it's fine. So I mean, what I, go ahead. Nope. Oh, no, uh, <laughs> you're, you're the guest. I'm interrupting you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. One of my favorite guitar players of all time. His name is Andy McKee. He plays primarily just an acoustic guitar. Uh, sometimes like a baritone acoustic or even a harp guitar, which has like a huge low bass string, so he can like hold a, a low drone note and play stuff up top. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's it's incredible. And I've you know you said like a walk in the forest. I would use his music to study to because there's really? no lyrics. And I would um, just get lo- like you know, I almost like the music became invisible, which sounds kind of like a I don't mean to like degrade or demean his music no, no, at I, all. No, like, I know what you mean. It becomes it becomes part of the environment that you're in. It was kind of yeah, like, and it was very like comfortable. A brook, a brook that's that's yes. along your trail. And but his stuff is I mean if you ever check him out, Andy McKee, his stuff is incredible. He's also very talented. Like he does things on the acoustic that. I could I could only dream of playing. Um, well, it's interesting you say that because um, uh, what I've realized in podcasting is uh, we list chapters of the different things we talk about. Okay. So all the people we spoke about, if they're listed and we can get uh, more information out to our listener, listeners with a link or an image and a link, sure. uh, we're, ha- we're happy to do so. Uh, and it's um, it's just great. And that's why podcasts are so good because they're so niche into what we're talking about. But then we're able to open up other worlds yeah. uh, to people, uh, just just like you did for us. So I, I really appreciate that. Very cool. What I like to do is is you you brought another original song for us. I want you to talk about that, and then we'll listen to uh, that, sure. and then we'll we'll do a little bit of a wrap up. So what okay, do we got coming next. Yeah. So this song uh, is an oldie for me. <laughs> it was written around two thousand five, two thousand six. Uh, it was it's a church song. It's a worship song. Uh, at the time we were, I think the message series had to do with like how, you know, we're like boats trying to navigate the ocean of life. And, um, the idea was like, you know, we look to God, right? He is our lighthouse. He is our navigating stars. And so I wrote this song that had to do with all that stuff. Um, and how like, we don't necessarily look to just like the stars to navigate. That's kind of in the course. We look to the one who holds the light, who is the light himself. Oh, very good. Very and uh, yeah, so this this was actually was on an album we did as a church. So the name of the church is called True North Community Church. And this was a, a record thing we put together of all original music. And uh, I just listened to it today and I was like, oh man, like I sound so young. <laughs> right, right. You know, yeah. This is, like, yeah. this is going 16, 17 years ago. Right. And uh, no, is that right? No, my math has got to be off. That's right. I'm not good at math. It, it was uh, no, that's, that's it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it's better than no, not growing right. older. Mm, I guess. <laughs> All right. What's the title of the song? And we'll jump right into it. Who Holds the Light? Who Holds the Light? Take a listen. Is so loud around 
to shake And my Savior will come rescue me from this Come rescue me from this I look to you Oh, even when I can't see the stars
tell you, Tom, this is like two gems that you know, you pulled out. I think an hour before we uh, we did the podcast. So uh, really appreciate it. It's really it's so great to hear original music and the fact that you pulled out something you did a while back that uh, it still works. You know, it's, oh, I appreciate it's still, it. Still a great tune. You know, it was. Um, uh... Yeah, so it, like I, there was a it tied very heavily into the theme of the messages we were doing as a church then. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, what was really cool is like all of the re- people on that record are buddies of mine, like people, oh nice friends, and uh, we recorded in a friend's studio. Who's he's a, a rather like well known uh, mix engineer now in L.A. Oh. His name is John Castelli. My buddy Sean uh, Sean Power. He owns a studio now in in Nashville. Um, oh, well, let's plug these guys. Yeah, absolutely. That's, sure, that's Hilson Studios in mm-hmm. uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and there's there's a bunch of other people who are on there that uh, just great musicians. Well, you, what I find interesting yeah. as a church, you came together and say, "Okay, we're going to do an album of original songs." And when you have like a goal and a mission, it's amazing what you can get accomplished. You know, they obviously uh, recognize that you had uh, had the guts to pull it together. You know. Yeah, we were so that was uh, that was a church plant that started in 2005, and so we were when that thing came out. It was I think 2007. Church plant? When you mean church plant? Sorry, uh, it was a new church that started in 2005. Gotcha. So we were okay. a young church, like we weren't like some big mega church or anything, but we just happened to be like a lot of the musicians. We were in our early early 20s at that point, so we had a lot more free time. <laughs> Yeah, to, right. to dedicate to music in general, but also to like work on this thing. Like we actually took a retreat. Um, oh, nice. A family friend had a house out in Montauk, so we just used there to like to write, to critique, and oh, that's um, great. we that was the only like full album we ever made because as we got older, life got busier well, and whatever. That's a re- that's a reoccurring theme here on the Long Island Sound. Many musicians <laughs> where life life gets in the way. You're fortunate that that you're able to. Uh, continue with your craft and ministry, you know, it's a ministry really. Uh, I appreciate and, that. And you bring, yeah. uh, you bring the gifts that God gave you out to people uh, and you share it. So it's really, it's really good. And uh, uh, I always kind of end my podcast this way, you know, um, and my friend Bob Murray told me this and it was told him by Joe Torrey from, from the Mets. Uh, he was, he was uh, volunteering at a function and he's like, Oh, it's nothing. And Joe Torrey stopped him and he said, no, Bob, he goes, you know, we can account for what we own. We can never account for how much time we have. Hmm. And the fact that you, Tom, gave me time today is very valuable, uh, not only to me, but to to the other people who learned so much. And uh, I could see a lot of giving in your future and a lot of things to share. So as I'm saying my goodbyes and I thank you, Tom, why don't you just lead us out with a little something? Uh, sure. Because we have to. It's a Long Island sound. Let's get some sounds out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and again, I want to thank my guest, Tom Pryor. I invite uh, anyone in the Long Island, Babylon area, come check out Community Church. Uh, you'll be inspired and amazed. And until next time, we'll see you on the Long Island sound.
Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Till next time, be generous with your joy, keep your spirits high, and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Thanks so much for listening. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. We really love to hear from you. And call our listener line at 631-800-3579. Again, thanks so much. Be well.